0: Welcome to season two, episode 15 of the National Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Swanson, and today's episode features Anna Altick, managing broker of Remax Homes and Estates, Lippman Group. Anna shares her experience in the real estate industry from the days of faxing contracts to now the latest trends in AI. She also discusses the benefits of being a member of a realtor association, including access to the MLS and continuing education. Later in the episode, our conversation shifts to the development in East Nashville, particularly along Dickerson Pike and the river, and it shares our excitement for the growth of the community and the potential for the river to become more of a focal point of Nashville. Before we hear from Anna, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Mid-State and Escrow pride themselves on empowering real estate agents by making their work easier to accomplish and enhancing their value to buyers and sellers. They believe that closing on a home should be a celebration, so they are committed to creating a less stressful and more transparent process for the client, while allowing the real estate professional to focus on what is most important, being a hero to their happy client. When the focus is on the buyer and seller experience, we all win. And With that, here's the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the National Real Estate Podcast. We have another special guest in studio today, Anna Altick, the Managing Broker for Remax Homes and Estates Living Group. How are you doing today, Anna?
1: I'm great. Thank you. Happy Friday, everyone.
0: Happy Friday. Yes, we're recording this late, late, I mean, what month is it, late April, yep. um, and uh, so thank you for coming in. Of course. Over here in East Nashville, which you're in East Nashville. I would say pretty much almost a native, 20, mm-hmm. 2002?
1: Yep, almost 22 years. Oh, my
0: gosh. All right, and we'll get to that uh, here in a little bit, but we always like to ask you, I'm going to focus on East Nashville. What is your favorite restaurant or favorite meal in East Nashville right
1: now? Oh, my
0: goodness. It's tough. If we said, all right, we're going after this, we're getting, we're getting a meal, where are you going?
1: All right, I, I've, I've got a few. Can I have a few favorites? Okay, that's fine. allow right. out. My daughter and I crave... For every Sunday morning, the loaded potatoes from um, Grace. Oh, okay. And we're not vegan. Yeah. But they're damn good. I love
0: Grace. Yeah. I'm not vegan either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's a big one. Um, and then, you know, the other one that I am always partial to is I just like me some ribs. Mm-hmm. So always happy with least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's just right over here, right? Yeah,
1: I'm a cash eater. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. there you go. And Gray's is on
0: Eastland, right? Or, Correct. Yeah, yep. okay, over there. Yeah,
1: up over by Ugly Mugs. Yeah. Um, Ginny's. yeah. Yeah,
0: great spot. Um, well, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners? You've been in real estate for over 20 years now. Um, Let's take it all the way back. Why did you get into real estate and kind of um, what are you up to now in your career?
1: Sure, so I got back into real estate right around 2003. Um, my now ex-husband and I moved to East Nashville in 2002 um, and bought our first house. I never mind telling this people, we paid $195,000 for a completely remodeled $2,300, 3 bedroom three-bath wow. house that had been gutted to the studs. And wow, that's a well, good investment. Yeah, it was a good investment. Yeah. And um, and just quickly fell in love with the r- real estate process. Um, and when I had my second child, um, realized that being at work at 7 in the morning until 5 at night, bring in my, my you know being first into daycare and last out of daycare just mm-hmm. wasn't cutting it for me anymore. And so... Uh, what really attracted me to real estate besides the customer service side of it and the advocacy side of it, which is my favorite parts of, of what I do, um, it was just the ability to have a really flexible schedule and to kind of make my own work hours. And so um, when I went into real estate, I had big goals, but I defined success as being a mom first.
0: Mm-hmm. I love and that.
1: that's something that you can do when you're self-employed and real estate can lend itself to that. If, if you're, um, you know, very intentional about it. So that was kind of my process of getting into real estate. I always tell people I got in at the tail end of when we were still faxing contracts and there weren't touch screen phones. yeah. And there wasn't a Facebook, or at least it wasn't widely used by anybody Mm -hmm. and certainly not, you know, commercially. Um, and so we were we were still going and picking up keys, and you know the lock boxes were very antiquated, and it was just a very different um, feel than what agents that are coming into the business now have. Yeah. Um, you really could just I, I always say, if we're an example, my first open house that I ever did led to six transactions within four months. Wow. And I did have some sales skill, but also yeah. it was just a different time where an agent working in open house, if there was an unrepresented buyer that came in, and you could be a resource. Yeah. They they latched right onto you. Wow. I'm <laughs> curious.
0: Have you did, did any of them use you multiple times? Throughout? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: They wow. have a lot of them. I've kept in touch. And it was also a really interesting time because the market really accelerated. So I, I probably was a little more prepped for twenty twenty one and twenty through twenty twenty two because two thousand four to two thousand six or seven, I, I was I was mostly if you're a newer agent, you often work more with buyers, mm-hmm. and so I would often be writing this um, three or four different offers for different buyers on the same house. Wow. And
0: no way. Yes, oh. and
1: it, if that wasn't a little awkward conversations that you were trying to have, but yeah. you're like, well, my odds are good. If I'm I'm half the offers on this table yeah. right now. <laughs> so Seriously. That was that was kind of what it looked like, and then of course the recession happened, um, and you know you just kind of had to hunker down and make do, and you know worked some short sales. I never went the foreclosure route. Um, But just also for for a point was hired by Yelp. They were trying to get into this market. And so they paid me to write reviews. No way. So I would do real estate part time and I would, you know, for whatever I could kind of scrounge up and then I'd write reviews for Yelp. That's and amazing. sort of help get them a foothold here.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're the early Yelper. Earliest I was, Yelper. I was a
1: very early Yelper. <laughs> yep. Yep. And well, that's
0: cool. And I just quickly touch on that, too, because we're, we're not in the same market right now as as then, but it is a challenging market for a lot of realtors that are new to the industry. And um, I feel like not just sitting around, you know, twiddling your thumbs. You did something extra, you know, on the side. Your real estate didn't suffer, but you're like, I'm not just going to sit back I have to do something I think mm-hmm. that that is is key to point out so,
1: absolutely yeah, yeah
0: yeah all right so you're we're now in 2000 let's say 2010 mm-hmm. coming out of it kind of what are you now?
1: and and now you come out of this thing and you've been kind of in a tunnel of just survival and Facebook has exploded and everybody believes Zillow is the only <laughs> Answered a home evaluation right so that was a whole new you know uh, so suddenly an agent really had to become a marketer and 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 how quickly social media you know I mean we had by the time we came out of that again we had iPhones we had a whole different set of tools to work with and a whole new set of kind of ways that we needed to engage with the public that hadn't been pre-2007 and so that's just been a really interesting process um, for me is sort of watching how quickly um, technology snowballed over that three or four year period and how much it continues to be such a factor in our business and I've talked to folks that were in it in the 80s and 90s and they're like nothing in the previous 20 years has been as significant as the last 10 to 12 Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. in terms of how much technology has sort of moved the needle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's. It. I was just talking about that. Why? Mm-hmm. Just with everything too. The phone. The, I feel like the iPhone is what really just kind of sparked mm-hmm. how quickly technology has moved. And and I know you've got a background in, in real estate tools mm-hmm. as well. Like, what are what are you seeing um, or what are you excited about of the new tools that are available or are coming out?
1: I think the thing that we weren't talking about eight months ago. I was just at RE Bar Camp um, that happened. Yesterday, but I also see this when I'm going to it I'm going to NAR's mid year okay. session and what I'm seeing everybody's talking about right now is AI. Mm-hmm. AI, AI, AI. Chat
0: GPT. It
1: is. Now yeah. I'm also playing with Bard, which is Google's okay. mm-hmm. new and um so it's gonna be interesting to see A who gets it right and how um you know we as real estate agents kind of turn to this tool and what it becomes because yeah. the search engine could Go completely away or become Mm -hmm. not nearly as relevant an seo could not be irrelevant it might be about content
0: yeah how are you utilizing it or how do you foresee it being utilized in the real estate space
1: so a lot of people are using it to get get tips on writing good content so that they can obviously right now it affects their seo people are using it to um you know, write property descriptions mm-hmm. that are appealing, people are using it to get hashtag ideas. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a how-to mm-hmm. um, without any advertising at this point. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you know, if you Google something, you're just gonna get basically the three ads right. that somebody paid for, yeah. and then all the sponsored content. And it takes a few pages to weed through that before yeah. you get sort of the organic. Yeah. Um, and so ChatGPT is a little bit different because it really is organic content and so um, you know are we going in there right now and if somebody said why use a realtor is there good content that's going to come from Mm -hmm. the AI and if somebody's not putting it there Mm. yeah. so yeah so I think there's a lot of and that was sort of what was kind of reiterated yesterday it was just you know from the techie people is like you know you probably got six months to really start building out good meaningful content that the that the AI can kind of find and learn from, mm. and then interacting with it because it's going to learn from you as well, mm. which is so just, wild. I know, yeah. so I have not, I, my mind was sort of blown yesterday thinking about yeah. it, I'm like, I got to take on another thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it kind of sounds like, yeah, if you're not at least looking into it mm-hmm. now, not that you're going to be left behind, but you might be at a disadvantage mm-hmm. if you're not at least paying attention to yeah
1: because that is what i'm front and center and there's certainly concerns as well about data and you know and and how it could impact us and if you know in our industry as well And, and the role that it would play beyond just being a resource or a tool for us but how it can impact our roles yeah so it's something to be to me to be very not concerned about but yeah. Aware of and able to pivot when it's time to pivot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just have the knowledge to mm-hmm. kind of know what to do when that arises right. or when that becomes mainstream mm-hmm. for, for everyone else. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I kind of took us off track on the AI path a little That's bit. It. But um, so now, you know, in your career, so what brokerage have you been at, you know, the same brokerage for a while? Did you have mentors? I'd love to just kind of like talk about that. Sure.
1: Can I name names? You can name names. Okay, Bobby Noreen okay. <laughs> is, is who I came through at Village, and I was at Village for about 16 years. Wow. Um, phenomenal teacher. If you look at anybody that is in a leadership role in the state, or especially on the local level, uh, uh, the majority of them have at some point spent a lot of time under tutelage, you know, Mm. Bobby. So she's a huge one. Share Powers is someone that really mentors me and pushes me into leadership and into getting association involvement. there's so many, but there's there's yeah. like Brian Copeland is another one that really has kind of um, encouraged me to go look, look state and national yeah. leadership roles and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I
0: think that's cool. And it feels like a common theme of, of the realtors that we have on there having success or have had success in this industry is they started out seeking either a mentor or just asking a lot of questions and finding someone that's been there, done that to kind of help take them under their wing. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's that's a key? Uh,
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. I think um, you know we all kind of want to come into this industry and it it does seem like there's a mindset of I've got to talk about my production. I've got to be the guy in the room. I've got to go out on social media and tell everybody what I'm doing. And I really feel like the agents that have longevity and are the happiest are the ones that really have stepped into mentors for sure and then really just created meaningful relationships within the realtor community and mm-hmm. engage in it. And you, you just never know when you're going to have a question or need a help and you just know who to ask Yeah, because you've taken that moment.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think too, oftentimes in the lending space too, and I'm sure it happens for realtors, we sometimes look at our peers as competitions. We don't, we keep everything, we don't right. want to, talk with someone else versus it's all about making relationships because Mm -hmm. if you're in the industry long enough, you're, you're going to want to have those relationships. Mm -hmm. Would you agree?
1: A a thousand percent when you're in a multiple offer situation and you've had a, a good experience with an agent, that is a factor. Um, and it, you know, or when you've seen an agent say, in the capacity of, of working with greater natural realtors or whatever your association is, you know they show up, you know they have skill set, you know that they're even-tempered, then that really does help you when you're trying to navigate a transaction with somebody because you really do know what you're gonna get yeah. in the process.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a good um, kind of segue to talk a little bit about the greater national realtors. Why don't you just, if, if someone that, because we do have some people listening to this that are thinking about becoming realtors, mm-hmm. um, speak upon the advantages of, of that group.
1: So to be, um, so when you become a, a licensed agent, you really aren't automatically a realtor. So you've got to form or join a trade association, Williamson County Realtors, Greater Nashville Realtors. There's, there's several of them. Um, I'm a member of Greater Nashville Realtors. And um, in order for you, once you become a licensed agent to have an active subscription or work on the multiple listing service is that you've got to be a realtor. And the reason is we're not trying to keep the data from anybody. The reason is the code of ethics, because we have put in place as realtors, a code of ethics that says how we're going to deal with the public, how we're going to deal with our fellow agents and how we're going to deal with the data. And it basically is all about honesty and integrity. Yes. And I would say that we have a higher code of conduct than most politicians.
0: Mm.
1: And so, because of that, then people like in the mortgage industry can trust that the stuff that's come from the MLS that you use to do appraisals yeah. is accurate.
0: That property tax, everything. Everything in there, in there yeah.
1: has been done accurately, mm-hmm. right? So. So that's really the benefit of being a realtor is that, you know, when you do a transaction with another realtor, they can't say bad things about you, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's just rules in play Mm -hmm. that keep everything on the up and up. And so um, being a a realtor member is extremely valuable in that sense, that that does give you access to the MLS and it gives you a code to work with. But beyond that, um, when you're a member of a realtor association, that's where you can get your continuing education that's where you can start to really engage with other agents and and build relationships. I'm in a text group, for example, where we can call somebody and say, hey, this deal is going south. I might need a real estate attorney. Who have you seen lately, mm-hmm. right? And and then I'm gonna have five people text me options that I trust and know. That's awesome. um, or I'm having a challenge with getting square footage measured or something like that. Or how have you seen appraisal reviews go lately? Mm-hmm. Like we have groups that do that. So that's invaluable for you. They become kind of your resource. Um, but just engaging on, when I talk to people, I say get involved at your trade association. I didn't do it until about five years ago. Wow. And it has been the most transformative experience of my life. I have learned everything from how to do PR because, you know, they need uh, folks that can do that that are on the board of directors, so they pay to have you trained. I've learned how to do strategic planning. I've learned how to do business planning. I've learned how to do conflict management. Like, so much has come from just volunteering my time that have made me such. I think have just elevated my level of professionalism Mm -hmm. and elevated the standard of care that I even give my clients. And so um, I can't say enough to get engaged and, and dialed in with your local association. It will help your business and it will really give you that kind of sustainability within the industry that.
0: Yeah, and th- those those mm-hmm. things that you mentioned that you've learned, uh-huh. is that through just the relationships you've or through classes or right. all of the above?
1: So I'm on the board of directors um, and, and moved into our executive committee. And so, again, there are times with greater natural realtors where they need, where we get a lot of requests from the press. Can you talk about market conditions? Can you talk about last month's market report? Can you talk about Airbnbs and the new... You know whatever new policy is in play, and so Greater National Realtors needs trained realtors mm-hmm. that are trained in media training, for example, yeah. to be able to go and do those interviews and make those sound bites sound right, mm-hmm. and 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 that also can take the information and, and disseminate it very accurately. Wow. So that's just another perk of a skill set I've been given now, yeah. just by giving my time.
0: That's awesome. What do you think? And what do you think was the biggest hesitation to? uh to join the group. Um like when you said it took you fifteen years to, to do so. So I've
1: always been a member of Greater National Realtors, always have okay. been. Um it it was more getting involved in a in a leadership level gotcha. of like chairing committees and moving mm. on to board work and then and, and so some of it for me was just time. Right. Um and so a little bit more of my leadership journey. My oldest was four when he, when I started in real estate and he just graduated from college, right? And then my youngest, my middle is in college and my youngest is in high school now. So I'm at that point where they don't need as much of my time, they just need quality. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this is my time in my career. It's like, well, what does that look like for me now that I'm facing being an empty nester and realizing Again, for me, do I wanna have a really big team or do I wanna do, and for what I realized is that I love advocacy, I love it. That is what wakes me up on a Monday morning and that's actually what a broker does. Yeah. Um, And so got my broker's license and then have kind of played different roles and with different companies as broker and as educator trainer. Um, And then kind of eventually just somebody um, said to me, "Would you think about running for the board of directors? So, and again, it's also being asked. You know, people just—you realize you don't really know they want you till they tell you. So, um, and that just sort of moved me into that kind of advocacy journey as well. That's cool, Mm -hmm. and I
0: feel like yeah, probably the last five years, ever since then, just opportunities come Mm -hmm. about by being involved.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and again, as I said, I just feel like my skill set in in terms of handling um, negotiations and, and just, again, my level of service because I'm on this role. I just hold myself to such a higher standard because I've been given yeah. so much opportunity.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and now you are with the Lipman Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are you most excited about, I would say, going forward uh, towards the rest of 2023 and, and kind of where you're at?
1: So, Remax. Um, I this is my first time with a franchise, okay. and so I would always been Villager Parks, and you know they're locally owned firms, um, and I always thought, like, gosh, I'm going to have to work somewhere locally owned. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know that I made that connection that Whitman Group is actually locally owned and mm-hmm. operated, and that they've just they're franchised with Remax, so they're just affiliated with Remax, but they run that we run that office completely independently. So, you get the perk of a small office. Um, you know, and with a lot of attention from your broker, but at the same time, you've got this national suite of tools. So wow. i am we just adopted KV Core okay. this year. So I'm very excited to see that's going to have some AI component in it, some predictive analytics that wow. kind of roll into that tool. I'm excited to see our CRM at work and um, so I, I'm, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about is just some of these, uh, the tools that, that Remax is a national franchise offers and, and being able to kind of bring those down and, and present them in a way that my agents can implement them in their business.
0: That's awesome. So are, is it, your time split up between, um, helping your agents kind of, you know, like you the mm-hmm. CRM all that, and also doing, Real estate transactions yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I do
1: sell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I I don't have to have such a major you know scary goal or anything right. like that. But I really do feel like as a broker and even in my role with um, on the board of directors, it's so easy to lose perspective in what boots on the ground, what people on the ground are are dealing with if you're not selling yourself. Yeah, that's Um, And so even if selling is just a portion of my income and not my primary way of income, I I do try to keep a client base. I really mostly work with repeat clients and referrals. Um, And so, and I get to work with the, I cherry pick, you know, I get to pick pick my people. That is the benefit of being
0: in the industry a while. (laughs) Yeah, yep.
1: Um, So they're mostly all positive experiences for me. Um, But you do really kind of see, some of the bad behaviors, even that other agents on the other side have, and that becomes trainings for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that becomes topics at, at our you know on our board level. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I'll always continue to sell, um, right. even if it's just you know five or six or ten houses a year. It's still enough that you get a you get a real yeah. sense of what's going on. Yeah,
0: that's smart. I think a lot of people when they get in management type positions. You know, stop doing that, and you were, you said lose a pulse of what's really mm-hmm. going on out there. So, I think that's that's key, and it just shows your your fortitude as, as a leader too, and staying involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to talk real quick about East Nashville. So, okay. East Nashville, I moved here about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I moved to East Nashville. So, I, I I'm not there anymore, but I love just the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, why don't you speak upon just kind of. Um, the growth and kind of uh, w- what's happening in East Nashville these days.
1: When I moved over here um, in 2002, you literally had to look for drug paraphernalia in the slides before you let your kids play in the playgrounds. Wow. It was it was it wasn't bad? I mean, it, it was it, when I moved over here. It was always and my favorite part of East Nashville, to be honest. Is that it was always a community. Mm -hmm. You always knew your neighbors. Mm -hmm. And from the day I moved over here in 2002, it just was not unusual to have one or another neighbor in your house at five o'clock to have a glass of wine or like having a cup of coffee, standing over the fence line, talking to each other every morning. And that's been the neighborhood. And so, it's been that kind of grassroots community that has really brought about so much of the change. I mean, there were maybe three restaurants over here uh, when I uh, moved over here. And um, and so it's it's fun to me to see that that legacy continues. And it's been really fun, to believe it or not, to raise kids over here because, um, you know, my kids were – among the first to go to Lachlan oh, wow. Elementary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was one of the early PTO board members and, wow. you know, and going through that process. And um, so it's so fun to see all that's come from all this community effort yeah. that was even before me, wow. to be honest. Um, but it's also been such a rewarding thing to raise, raise kids who are very civic minded, but very much community minded. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll give you an example. My son. I got home the other day and noticed that the neighbor's barbecue had been blown over his grill and he just went over there and picked it up and set it back up and did that. And the, and didn't even say a word, but like that's just normal for us yeah. to be that caring for one another and, mm-hmm. you know, definitely can I borrow an egg is just, you know, not weird over here at yeah. all. Um, and so that's been the thing that I've loved the most. I, th- I think I was taught how to be a community member. Mm-hmm over here and how much that can really be a meaningful thing um i'm excited for east nashville i'm very excited about the east bank Mm -hmm. um you know whether or not everybody likes the Titan stadium deal or not i think ultimately it's going to be a good thing um i'm excited to see this dickerson pike corridor Mm. i think that's going to happen sooner i'm excited to see you know i really think Nashville is primed for any kind of transit initiative because I know the neighborhood's going to not push back on that they want mm-hmm. it so um, you know those are the things that I'm watching for right now is Dickerson Pike Corridor transit yeah. green spaces and that east bank
0: what well, uh, I've heard a little bit but not much on the Dickerson Pike kind mm-hmm. of explain to the listeners kind of what's going on with that project
1: so really, you're just going to think Oracle, right? Because yep. Oracle will come right where Dickerson intersects with the river and the yep. interstate. And it's just going to anchor there. And then what Oracle is also going to bring in and they're paying for is the connector, uh, a Greenway connector oh, it's to it's Germantown. That's right. Okay. Right. So now you're yep. going to have all of this connected Greenway yep. space um and then beyond that, you know, just naturally as Oracle comes in here and all of that sort of secondary development and retails and shops and restaurants, um, that's just gonna start to filter up Dickerson Pike. And it's already being done and there are plenty of people already buying up big swaths of yeah. of land along there. Um but I think I think Dickerson is 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 probably where Gallatin was ten years ago, but mm. I think it's gonna go a lot faster.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think more will be done, obviously more will be done along the river, but will we be a river city where you can, you know, take your boat and go pull up or have different stuff along right. the river, kind of like clean it up, go a little further, you know, down?
1: I think um, our river has been one of our most underutilized attractions in the city, um, and you know, I have long said that. I know a lot of people have long said that. Gosh, Chattanooga got that right 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and have done such a good job with that. And so, um, I know we've had barriers with some of the industrial industrial land and lots that are there. But yes, I you know I really think if we can ever get some cohesive stretch of development that goes from Oracle, even if it stops at the aluminum plant or whatever. If we can get that in place, then absolutely. I, I don't see why there wouldn't be river infrastructure where people could. Yeah. You know, why couldn't you boat in to go to yeah. a restaurant or a bar? Or, That's what I'm hoping for. Because yeah. we'll,
0: um, I've got a friend of mine that belongs to the boat club, and mm-hmm. now they have a, a dock in the um, like Bloom and Grill area mm-hmm. over there. And so mm-hmm. we'll just take the boat and just go all the way downtown. Yeah. There's, there's nothing there until you get to downtown. I, so there's so much opportunity. And if they put the baseball stadium over by, um, was it Tennessee Tech? I think, they were in, I think uh, it
1: secretly has a potential to be a, another mode of transit.
0: Yeah, you're right. It really could open up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, awesome. Well, well, is there anything else I should have asked you? I feel like we covered a lot and kind of jumped around a little bit, but um, it's been really knowledgeable for me to, to learn from you. And um, is there anything else that you'd like to... Uh, impart or uh, or share with the listeners
1: uh, just be nice to each other <laughs> if you're a new agent be be nice it's uh, there's a lot of people that get frustrated too easily and we've all got to kind of live in this space together and um that was you know i i see a lot of people just go snarky immediately you don't need to we, yeah. we're all trying to get to that same place and just just be nice
0: yeah. And I will say as things slow down a little bit, it's mm-hmm. been nice where, you know, everything is not just right this second. Right. And you can have conversations. Right. And you can you can talk. A little yeah. Bit. I think
1: feelings are calming. Yeah. yeah but yeah, let's stay there. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Well, well, thank you for coming on. What's the best way for someone to uh, get in touch with you?
1: Um, you can reach um, out to me. Um, my cell phone number is OK, but sure. 615-423-7267 or Anna, A-N-N-A, at com. Perfect. Just and we'll you know. have
0: that in the, in the show notes for everyone to click over and uh, check it out. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on. appreciate your time and
1: uh, wish you all the best. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm Jared Swanson at Nashville Real Estate Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you feel extra generous, leave us a five-star review. I greatly appreciate
1: it.